something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio Home of the premier radio bowling talk show PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson was instrumental in developing the PBA Lane Maintenance Program in 1971, which is still referred to today. He was a founding member of the Bowling Foundation, which was created to finding solutions to scoring issues in bowling. He was also a recipient of the Bowling Industry's Flowers for the Living Award and the John Davis Award in recognition for his contributions to this great sport. And with over 1,200 shows spanning 21 years, this may be the longest-running podcast in human history. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Cagle Company. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest is a lifelong bowler who has a passion for our sport like very few. He was a PBA member in the 70s while he was pursuing a career in broadcasting. He also became a USBC certified silver coach, and he has been actively involved in coaching kids and adults since 2012. In 2015, he became a youth director of a youth program at Brunswick Zone Roswell, now known as Bolero Roswell, in 2016, he began producing a weekly made-for-YouTube show, and this series is called Prodigy Bowlers Tour. So let's get him out here for a return visit and find out more about our friend Randy Brown. So hi, Randy, and welcome back, and how are you doing today? Phantom, it is so great to hear your voice, and I'm doing okay. I mean, if, if I could just shake this little cold I've been experiencing the last couple of weeks, but it's not going to hold me down. And I'm just so happy to be here with you. It was. It's my pleasure. And like I told you the first time you were on, um, the time flies and we're going to have you on many, many times because not only are you a, an interesting guy, but you're a, a passionate bowling man and you're just the kind of guy we love to talk to. And I can't get it all out of you in one or two visits, so I hope you're ready to be on here quite often with us because the experience that you have and the love that you have for the game we want to share. So it's great having you back because, like I said, the last time we'd never have enough time to talk with you. So I want to ask you some more questions. I got more for you, so are you ready for more? I am ready, willing, and able. And if I don't have a good answer, I'll make something up. (laughs) All right, my friend. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one because uh, you stay in touch. You're a great communicator. And you sent me a couple of previews, and I've enjoyed the heck out of it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first of all, tell our listeners how they can find you on the web. Uh, What are your website addresses or anything that you want to pass along where our listeners can get a hold of you. Well, the show actually does have a website. It's prodigybowlerstour.com. 
we can be found on YouTube at youtube.com slash, and then the at symbol, like you use an email, at Prodigy Bowlers Tour. So that's youtube.com slash at Prodigy Bowlers Tour. We also have a Facebook group. And from any page on Facebook, you just type in Prodigy Bowlers Tour, and that'll take you to a page where you can submit a request to join our group. There are some screening questions you'll be asked to answer that are real simple. Just We just use them to screen out spam bots. And you can keep up with all things Prodigy right there, even during the off-season. Well, I can tell you one thing. If they get interested and they start looking at all the things you have on there, they better get a second job or a second home because it'll keep you busy morning, noon, and night. You've got a lot of interesting stuff on there. And I'll tell you what, you're such a pro. I enjoy watching everything that you produce. So I got some more questions. So here's number two. Uh, you just completed your first season of the Prodigy Bowlers Tour in the Kansas City area. Now, how was it different from the seasons past? when you were in Georgia? Well, aside from the fact that I had to trudge through some snow that I would never have seen in Georgia, the big difference was in Georgia, I was the director of the youth program at the bowling center. And so each week after league, we would gather up some of the kids and we would hold our little fake tournament and we would stage a little step ladder and we would tape it and put it on the on YouTube and it would become the latest episode of Prodigy Bowlers Tour. When I moved to Kansas City a year and a half ago, I didn't really know if I was going to have a place to put Prodigy up here. I had to search out a place and as it turns out there aren't as many bowling centers here. So as a result, there weren't as many lanes available that we could just commandeer eight or 10 lanes to stage our little fake tournament and do our little show each week. So I had to reimagine what Prodigy would be here in Kansas City. So instead of doing those little faux tournaments like we did in Georgia, which were a lot of fun, but they were all done under the, the guise of open play, um, and we would do all kinds of wacky formats just to keep things interesting, both for the kids and the viewers. Here, I ended up partnering with an outfit called the Kansas City Open. They've been around for about 28 years, I believe. Uh, they hold monthly youth bowling tournaments for scholarship money from September to June. And it's a first-class operation. They really do things right. And they, and they hold competition in five different divisions. Division one is the scratch division with bowlers averaging 200 and higher. And the other divisions are progressively lower averages and they all bowl handicap. But all five divisions would hold a six game qualifier, two in the morning, two, I'm, I'm sorry, three in the morning, three in the afternoon. They would cut to the top five for a step ladder in each of the five divisions. And the way we worked it with the Kansas City Open was Prodigy would cover Division One every month. And with our second camera, we would skip between Divisions two, three, four, and 5 so that each division got covered at least two or three times a year. 
so that all the kids in the KCO had a chance to be on the show. And every month when I would be walking through the bowling center, somebody would come up to me and ask, which division are you doing today? Because they all want to be on the show. So that was the biggest difference because now we're covering real deal scholarship tournaments. So the show has less variety in terms of the formats we do from show to show, but there's a wider variety of kids on the show. It just has a, a, a more of an air of legitimacy because we're covering a real tournament that has real scholarship prizes awarded at the end of each week. And of course, the big tournament that they do in June, their big their big uh, culmination of the season, the KCO Invitational, I think this year they paid out over $1,300 first prize in all five divisions, wow. um, which, you know, pretty significant prize money for a junior bowling tournament. And like I said, I mean, they're a first-class operation, and it, it, it was just delightful covering them and and getting to know some of the kids and their families. So you just released uh, the final episode of the show's seventh season uh, of the Prodigy Bowlers Tour, uh, the Tournament of Champions. Uh, what's next for Prodigy? It's funny you should mention that. The Prodigy Bowlers Tour Tournament of Champions is, that's not a KCO event. That's my event. And all of the kids who won on the show throughout the season were invited to participate in this, and all but one of them was was able to make it. This was a giant show because we held both a handicap and a scratch division, so it was kind of a double header. We had a scratch division and a handicap division, and then those two had their step ladders, and then those two winners played off for the grand prize, which is we at, at the end of each show throughout the season, the kid who wins on the show signs this pin that we call the coveted trophy pin. And then at the end of the season, the winner of the prodigy tournament of champions wins the pin, but we just finished. We held that on the 25th of June and that was a big show. I just released it a little over a week ago. So now you ask me what's next for prodigy. What's next for prodigy is the guy who creates prodigy me gets to sit back and catch his breath for a couple of months. And honestly, during the off season, which for me is typically July and August, I like to spend some of that time, not under pressure to get a show out, although I will be doing some little updates this week to update Prodigy Nation as to how the Prodigy kids are doing at Junior Gold, because they like to know about that. So I follow it and, and, and post updates. But what's really next for Prodigy during the offseason is this is when I kind of gear up for what might be new in the coming season. When we launched the Kansas City version of Prodigy last year, I had quite a bit of time to gear up. And I, I created a whole new graphics package for the show, which for those of you who might have watched the PBA on ABC back in the 70s, it might look very familiar to you. Because, yes. uh, you know, I, I'm not going to make any bones about it. It's not a ripoff, but 
it's definitely a tip of that uh, cap to, you know, those days of uh, pro bowlers who were on TV. I was a big fan and I remain a big fan of, of that era of television. So I will do some things this, this summer to uh, put, you know, some new sparkle on the show in the fall. And honestly, I know this is getting a little down in the weeds here, but I'm also kind of working on trying to learn some new software to edit the show with. I don't know if I'll get good enough and fast enough at it between now and September to port the whole post-production process over to this other software. But that's kind of where I'm, where I'm working towards. I think there's some advantages to doing it, but that's kind of, like I said, sort of behind the scenes. But, you know, bottom line is what's next for Prodigy is season eight, and I want to make it better than it's ever been. Well, I'm sure you will. And uh, I'm going to be a little bit nosy here and ask you about what kind of a mailing list you have, because I'm only asking because you sent me a little uh, clip that you wanted me to take a look at. And I saw it and I sent this to a bunch of my friends uh, because a lot of people don't even know what's going on in the industry. And this thing that you got is beautiful. And I got seven or eight emails back. Man, that was really cool. Do uh, you want to make a mention of that? Uh, that what you said? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a moment on our Prodigy Tournament of Champions telecast, which if you go to our YouTube channel, which again is youtube.com slash at Prodigy Bowlers Tour, look for the episode 149 which is the Prodigy Bowlers Tour Tournament of Champions, there is a moment on the show that one of our scratch bowlers, Antonio Miranda, uh, who lives here in the area, he's, he's aging out of youth bowling this summer. So this is probably the last time we'll see him on Prodigy unless he comes and bowls as an adult in one of their youth adult tournaments. Antonio got up in the, I think it was the eighth frame of his match, his first match, and uh, leaves the 4-6. I don't have to tell you. You leave the 4-6. This is this is bad news. You know you're gonna you're gonna have an open. Yeah. But and 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 as I commented on the show, I've seen the 4-6 made once or twice in my life. But it was either done by bouncing one of the pins out of the back, or somebody would hit the six so thin that it would topple over head first into the four i had I, antonio made it much to everyone's bewilderment and astonishment but he did it by sliding the bottom end of the six over into the back of the four and i didn't think that was possible but he sure as heck did it and it caught him by surprise as much as it did anyone and it's it's a highlight that i'm sure we will be re-showing and Again and again, like ABC used to show Mark Roth's 710. Yeah, <laughs> this was beautiful. I, you know, I had no idea he was going to make it. You didn't give me any preview. And I almost fell out of my chair because I'd never seen it made like that either. I'm just like you. I've seen it bounce out of the back once or twice, but not that way. And he was kind of bewildered. I, I don't know what the word is. That He looked so surprised that it was really cool. What a great highlight that is. And, uh, you know, you mentioned one big word uh, earlier that you are to be so proud of. 
are your graphics. I mean, that show is so professional. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful thing, and I'm hoping that everybody gets to look at all the stuff that you have because it's cool, man. It's really well, cool. You're very kind, and I will just I will just say that when I first started doing the show, I mean, you mentioned in the opening today that you know my background is in broadcasting, but frankly, my background was in radio broadcasting, not television. But I started dabbling in video production about 20 years ago when it came to the desktop, you know, on a PC or, or a Mac. And I just started dabbling in it because it always fascinated me. And when I started doing Prodigy, ostensibly just to try to grow our youth program at the Boeing Center in Georgia where I was coaching, I wanted to turn this show into something more than just, I mean, Anybody can put a camera on a tripod, point it at kids bowling, and then take the footage and put it up on YouTube. I mean, any schmo can do that. <laughs> I wanted this to look like a real production. And if you go back and look at some of the earliest episodes of the show, eh, they look a little primitive, let's say. <laughs> I got better at it the more I did this. I mean, we've done 149 episodes now. I'd like to think that the production values were pretty good in the beginning, but have gotten a lot better. And you're very kind to notice I did something a little, <laughs> I did something a little extra on this uh, Prodigy TOC show. I, I replaced the masking units with my own masking units, did it in post-production, and nobody has even commented on it. <laughs> so I don't know, if, I don't know if they just didn't notice, but I guess that's probably a good thing if it looked. If it looked real, then there's no reason to comment. But, you know, it, I it's a labor of love. I do it to promote youth bowling and the sport of bowling. You know, yeah, I get paid a little bit from YouTube each month, but it, I'd make more money per hour flipping burgers at McDonald's. So <laughs> it's not the money that's the reason why I do it. I do it just because I love doing it. You've got that passion. It's in your voice. It's in your actions. It's in all the filming that you do and the whole nine yards. And uh, I, I want to sneak in one thing about what we got going on here at the Absolutely. Phantom. Absolutely. I know what this is. <laughs> Phantom Radio Show uh, Club that I've got for the kids uh, under under 18. Uh, we, we don't run tournaments. All we do is we promote the, the heck out of the kids. Uh, your show, anybody's show, anything that's going on that pertains to the kids. Uh, we're not here to make any money. It's free to join. Uh, if the kid just joins our, our club, they get a free gift. And every time they comment on something, they'll call me up or send me a text and tell me about my show. Uh, it was good. It was bad. It, I wanted this. I want that. Uh, if they just let us know they're alive out there, we send them a gift. So <laughs> that's what we're all about. A lot of people say, well, how can we promote everybody else's show? Because we're all in this together. You know, I'm not competing with anybody. All I want to do is give them some exposure. And who knows? Maybe someday somebody with $10 billion will come walking along and say, you know, I got all this extra money. Let's do something for the kids. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict the future. I'm not Nostradamus. But I'm just like you, Randy. Uh, I love the kids. And uh, they need to have some more exposure. Some of these kids are really terrific bowlers, even if they're not. 
they're learning how to bowl and they're our future. So I just wanted to get that in before I've got one more question for you before I lose you again, because you know how the time flies in this show. But anyway, how has uh, producing uh, the Prodigy Bowlers Tour changed your perception of bowling and youth bowling in particular? Hmm. Well, I guess the best answer I can give you to that is to say that I've learned that, like you just said, we're all in this together. And when I go to youth tournaments, when I did that in Georgia, when I do it here, going to the KCO, and there's another tournament in the area that I will occasionally pop my head in for a minute, I see the families. It's not just the kids. It's it's the parents, the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, and the brothers and sisters that are all there in support of their junior bowling sibling or son or daughter. It is that kind of support and that kind of togetherness that bowling breeds that was the biggest eye-opener for me when I first started following youth bowling and attending these tournaments is is how much everybody who's a stakeholder, whether it's direct or indirect, they're all in it together. And you hang out with some of these families and you find that, yeah, Johnny and Billy and David, they may compete against one another like, you know, fighting cats and dogs on the lanes. But then afterwards, they and their families are out at Olive Garden or, or you know, Cracker Barrel or whatever, having lunch or dinner afterwards on the way back home. And these, these families are all, these parents, when, they, when their kid first takes up bowling, they don't know anything about bowling in many cases. I mean, the parents who were bowlers probably do. But a lot of these parents, their kid decides he, he loves bowling, and the, and the parents just kind of come along for the ride, and they are a blank canvas. And then they start going to these tournaments, and they start getting around these other parents and, and these other kids, and they start learning a little bit at a time. And by the time those kids are 16, 17, these parents are experts on the sport. They know how to coach their kids and how to get the best performance out of them, or they know, or you know, they've listened in on enough of the conversation between their kid and the coach to to know a little bit about it. It's just remarkable how it all knits and fits together. The parents, the coaches, the youth directors, the I mean, they're they're all in it together, and they're all very supportive of one another, even while they're button heads on the lanes. It's really remarkable. It's a wonderful, wonderful community. It sure is. You know, you hit the nail right on the head uh, when you mentioned the word camaraderie between the kids. Uh, You know, that's the same thing on the tour. These guys fight it out all week, and then they have a beer when it's all over. They're hugging yep. each other, got their arm around each other. And uh, somebody asked me the other day, uh, how far back do you remember? You know, I'm thinking, geez, you know, I'm an old man now. I, I remember a lot of things back in the day. But one of the things that popped in there was going to bowl on Saturday morning. 
You know, and yes, most people that are over 50 or 60 years old, they'll remember them starting out bowling in a junior league somewhere 50 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever it is. You ask the majority of the people, and they all did the same thing. So we've got so much in common that it's crazy. I remember the first time my junior league team bowled for the league championship. It came down to us and a team of girls. And I was, by God, not going to get beat by a team of girls. <laughs> and we got beat by a team of girls, got our heads handed to us. And I was inconsolable. Of course, I kind of got over the whole team of girls problem. But, you know, I was probably nine at the time or something. But, you know, that's the way you think when you're that age. And... It was a remarkable time. So many life lessons learned through sport. And, I mean, I don't have to tell parents that. I mean, whether it's bowling or softball or golf or football, I mean, every sport is a great teacher of life lessons, if you let it be, if you, if you use it for that. Bowling is really, really good at that. Boy, it sure is. You know, I got to close the show here, Randy, but uh, I'm going to save about a minute for you at the end. I want you to give us a closing remark when I get done with this. But the old clock on the wall does tell me that we're running out of time, and I can't believe how quickly the time flies on this show. And it's probably why they always say this is the fastest show in all the sports. But I do appreciate you being on with us, and I always enjoy talking with you. I want to thank you again for taking the time to be here. And I still got a lot more questions, a lot more things I want to talk to you about. So, you know, you're going to be kicking back for a while, but anytime you want, you got something coming up, you give me a holler, we'll put you on the show and we'll do another one. But uh, let me thank my partners in my junior bowling club. Uh, that'd be Dave Kowalski and, and Brian Hirsch and Sam Villarreal. We're all here volunteers, just like most of us most of us are involved in junior bowling or junior anything, but uh, go ahead, my friend, you got the stage. Well, whenever you say time flies, I, I always think of Kermit the Frog and how he used to say, see how much fun time is when you're having flies. <laughs> but my closing comment would be just for anybody who listens to this, podcast or any bowling content on the internet, you know, if you are hanging on to the belief that bowling is in decline, you are part of the problem. Bowling is not in decline with the generation of people that I deal with every week. And I know that if you're, you know, interacting with these people who are in your junior bowling club, bowling is not in decline with them either. And I just believe that bowling's best days are ahead of it. And if you believe it, you will make it so. Well said, my friend. And uh, I wish we had more people like you because we wouldn't have any problems. But you're right. Uh, the kids are our future. And it's in good hands with them right now. So I'm going to have you back on again soon. You let me know when you're available for Phantom Radio. This is the Phantom. When you're down and troubled
Sometimes you need some love and care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me 